to Dead Headspace. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and all other major platforms. I'm your host, Patrick R. McDonough, with my co-host, Brennan LaFaro. Hello. And today, we are joined by Max Booth III. Hello. Before we dive into this episode, I'd like to read an exciting upcoming expo run by Mary San Giovanni. Hey, readers, book reviewers, podcasters, librarians, booksellers, and lovers of great scary stories. Buzz Book Expo 2020 is just around the corner. Buzz Book Expo is a live streaming event in which publishers will be announcing all the great new horror fiction releases they have to offer this coming year. There will be interviews, Q&As, presentations, book cover reveals, and more from all your favorite horror publishers all for free. Yes, free. Spend two days immersed in exciting book talk from publishers and authors alike. The event will take place from August 22nd to the 23rd. All information, including links to the expo, can be found at marysanji.wordpress.com slash buzzbookexpo2020. We hope to see you there. Max Booth III, thank you for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for inviting me on the program. <laughs> What got you into horror? What got me into it? What was like what a what what picks off? You mean what are you, what are you talking about? Like the genre itself, or just like ah, I'm afraid. <laughs> I suppose we could go in any direction with this, so uh, let's go with the genre. Okay. Um. Let me think. Uh. I don't know. I mean, my uh, when I was young, I had brothers who were older than I am, and uh, I still do. They they also aged as I aged, but when I was younger, that was true as well. And uh, they were into the genre, and they just always had movies on, and I would watch them. And it just seems something I've always been watching, and eventually reading as well. Okay, right on, man. Max, you're originally from Indiana, correct? That is correct. So tell us a little bit about how you wound up in Texas. Yeah, well, the 16, we all lived in a tiny hotel room, and we eventually got a house when I was 16, and uh, it wasn't great. Uh, my family has a issue with raid, I believe can be contagious if you were stuck in the same house all of them, and uh, I saw the future that my brothers had, because, well, as I mentioned, they are not the same age as I am. They are a bit older than I am. And I didn't want that same thing to happen to me. I didn't want to get stuck bumming money off of my mom every day to pay rent. I uh, didn't want to cops called on me every night because of some fucking stupid thing going on with uh, alcoholism. And I thought the best uh, bet to avoid or prevent any of that from happening would be to hop on a bus and get away. And that's what I did. I uh, I wrote some Wikipedia articles, well, self-published authors, at uh, 50 bucks a, uh, a pop. And I saved up enough to get a Greyhound ticket. And I went to Texas because I, I just knew a couple of folks who also lived in the state. And that seemed like an okay place to go. Now, San Antonio. You're in San Antonio, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a, a great music scene and kind of related art scene. Is that kind of what drew you there or part of what drew you there? Nope. <laughs> I, uh, knew, I knew nothing about it, and I still don't know much about it. I uh, do not go outside much. I am kind of in a small town between San Antonio and Austin, so I'm like on the edge of San Antonio. So I do most of my social traveling type of stuff 
up in Austin, and also in Austin, there's a great scene of creative types. Yeah, I think I meant Austin rather than San Antonio. I'm thinking that general area. San Antonio has some cool stuff. I just, I'm not hip to it. I don't know a lot of folks in San Antonio. As far as, you know, you, you kind of paid your way there by uh, freelancing a little bit. Is that kind of what got you into writing or is that something you've always done? Writing was something I did for a long time. I think I went to writing with the death of my dog at a young age, seven, maybe eight. Uh, she died and I had a difficult time uh, dealing with that. And I came up with these uh, eventuals, the dog and I would go on and it kind of just led from from that. But I always uh, have been in writing. I think the movie, uh, the film adaptation of Stephen King's Misery got me interested in writing because it just seemed really cool that someone would... <laughs> possibly uh chained me to a bed <laughs> i just kind of like that being chained to a bed and being told ah you can't leave you have to type i'm like i wish that would happen to me now kind of like gerald's game yeah kind of i, I just like that that's, <laughs> that's all i, I like that that's your ultimate writing goal is i want to get famous enough that some you know uh off their rocker person is gonna come and they're gonna kidnap me chain me to a bed and break my feet with a goddamn hammer. It's, it's a hell of a like goal. It's dreams, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the American dream. Well, well, if you read the book, if they uh, she chops the guy's feet off. Oh, that's right. That's right. It's uh, been a while since I, I got through the book, I'm afraid. Brennan, if you could be a character in a Stephen King book, who would you be and why, and would it lead you to being a writer? Good Lord. You had that really prepared. Um, if I could be a character in a Stephen King book, I would be son of a bitch. That's hard. Max, throw it to you. If you were a character in a Stephen King book, who would you be and why? Paul Sheldon for the reasons <laughs> I just said. No, you gotta go Wait, something I new. Be, man. I would be, I would be Annie's pig. <laughs> I wouldn't have to live long, and I could just relax and mud. I'm going with Pennywise. Why? I get to do whatever the fuck I want. I get to be whoever I want to be and live my life, be left alone, and, you know, just uh, have books written about me. A long book. A brick book. There you go. Okay, I'll go with uh, Leland Gaunt from Needful Things, just for that. I have a question. I have a question about it. Do you think Pennywise uh, witnessed the uh, whole uh, child gangbang in the school? And do you, how do you think he reacted to that? Do you think he was like, what the fuck is going on? With that? This is not me. I have nothing to do with this. Do not place this shit on me. That could be the option, or he could have encouraged it back in the corner. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to connect any further dots. I'm not going to get myself in trouble. <laughs> is, this a, uh, is this podcast uh, safe about gangbangs? It's safe for whoever the fuck you want it to be, Max. Hell yeah. So what you're saying is this podcast is pro-child gangbang? Uh, Patrick, is that what you're saying? Huh. I'm stumped for once in my life. Well, no. No. It seems like an easy no. It does does seem like an easy no. It also seems like you started the setup for that five minutes ago. (laughs) All right. So moving on. We have a question from one person. There is only one question. And it's by a Melvin Douglas Wallaby who asks, can you tell us about the <laughs> God damn it. Fucking Brennan, you were right. I couldn't get through it. Can you tell us about the importance of marketing words and sections as inappropriate while edited in author's work? 
So I believe the person who actually asked you that question was uh, Michael David Wilson. He's and what good. he is referring to, yeah. <laughs> I'm a fucking investigator, man. Nothing has passed me. <laughs> So yeah, I I do a lot of editing. Obviously, I uh, I run a uh, company called um, uh, Motion Machine Publishing, and we do books. I, those books, uh, I edited Michael's novella, The Girl on the Video. And whenever I edit something that he writes, I find it really amusing to uh, comment every time he references like all. I just comment this is inappropriate. <laughs> it is. So yeah. You shouldn't drink alcohol in a book. No. He's encouraging gangbangs. Exactly. (laughs) I'm going to shut the fuck up. (laughs) I'm going to shut the fuck up. Go ahead, Brennan. (laughs) I have that book sitting on my shelf. I cannot confirm or deny what it does and does not endorse. Besides, I'm going to phrase it as, you know, I remember uh, hearing about finishing um, when, when a certain video is playing. Finishing, however you want to take that. Like finishing. Would the video. you like me to uh, get into that? Yes. No, finishing a uh, an erection. Mm. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Max, you throw me off tonight, man. God damn it. Okay, this is where we yell segue so, because there's a very <laughs> there's, there's a way to take that query. <laughs> what you were uh, talking about is a. Uh, so something we've talked about on podcasts in the past, uh, ah, completely. Uh, one of the scenes in Michael's book involved a uh, the the protagonist watching this uh, sex video, and he gets uh, and, and the scene ended. But my genius uh, editing skills thought, hey, what if he also ejaculated at the end? And we had a long conversation about this, and uh, I won. So he uh, he went back and he added the ejaculation to the scene. And yeah, so if you go and read the book, spoil a little, uh, the protagonist uh, erupts at one point. That's what finishing means. I gotcha. Yeah. I did <laughs> listen to your episode on Ghoulish with uh, Michael. It was hard to drive a car listening to that episode due to how many times you made each other laugh. And as a result, I laughed a lot. So... Good job. Yeah. Thank you. Brandon, uh, uh, go ahead, man. My, my brain's just you, in la-la no, land right now. You are a fucking wreck tonight. Okay. So, uh, Max, you were talking a little bit about Perpetual Motion Machine. Um, tell us a little bit about how you got how that came to be. Yeah. I began by at helping edit a magazine called Dark Moon Digest with my wife, Lloyd Michelle. We did not own the magazine. We just kind of helped out with it and... Uh, over long periods of different discussions, we kept going back to the idea of like, ah, what if we, what if we were in charge of all of this? Wouldn't that be something? And one night uh, we get drunk and uh, we had that discussion. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to begin a Facebook page. So I begin a Facebook page for a company, and we needed a name for it. At the time, a song by Modest Mouse called uh, "Perpetual Motion Machine" was playing, and I went, that's the name, and I made the Facebook page, and I invited all my friends to like it, and then the next day I, I realized what I had done, and I uh, couldn't back out then, so I was like, hey, I guess we have a publishing company now, and that was in 2012, and we have not deleted the page since. How's it evolved from that time to now? 
Well, we now own that magazine I talked about, so we uh, we bought out Dark Moon Digest from uh, the previous uh, owner, whose name was Stan Swanson. So now we magazine, and we uh, we own complete control of the magazine. We do conventions every year, except for the year 2020, for some reason. Not sure why. I can't actually uh, <laughs> lie at all. Uh, yeah, we we usually do a lot of local conventions. We uh, I mean, books have basically be all lives. It's what we do. It's what we talk about. It's what we bond over. It's a uh, everything we do is somehow involved with a book. I mean, even the podcasts we do is we do the, those podcasts to promote the books we do. Uh, yeah, for um your two podcasts, Ghoulish and Castle Rock, is Lori involved with the Castle Rock one? Yeah, she's the co. Because I, I apologize. I haven't listened to that one yet. I listened to Ghoulish show. Does she have anything to do with the technical aspect of it of that show? No, she just reads something with me and uh, she talks about the uh, books with me. I uh, all the editing and uh, uploading. What got you into podcasting? Well, I uh, I was pretty shy about doing podcasts for a long time i have a speech impediment so that's always made me pretty uh nervous about doing any uh talking at all friend of the show michael david wilson harassed me into coming on his own podcast and uh i don't know i had fun doing it so after i went on michael's podcast a few times i went on it a few times i kind of got addicted uh just the idea of sitting in of a mic and telling jokes i uh, i like i like to be funny i don't know that seems pretentious i just like to hang out and say stupid things that make only laugh and a podcast seems like the best i best way to do that and i was uh, getting invited to go on a bunch of podcasts but not enough to uh, quench my <laughs> my podcast my podcast fools so i thought ah let's just do this myself and then uh yeah i did one with uh, my wife and that was fun and uh, but it's a lot of it takes a lot of to do uh, Castle Rock Radio because we have to read books and make notes. So I decided, okay, let's I'm gonna do a second podcast where I have to, uh, no preparation, and and that is because I just you know I just get on, I get a guest, and I say, okay, guests talk to me, and they talk, and then I react, and eventually it's done. So speaking of your pot ghoulish is uh you have said many times that Joe or as you like to call him uh Joey Splat. Joey Splat. Yeah. Oh he loved that. He uh did not. (laughs) Well he laughed at least. (laughs) We did that on Zoom. You should have seen his face. I thought he was gonna karate chop me through the microphone. So you stated many times that that's like that's your hero for in the literature world. How was it like talking to him? Was that your first time talking to him? No. I've met him many times. He goes to he also lives in Texas and we usually go to the same conventions. And somehow we both like well, we usually both do like a book table at these conventions and somehow we always get seated like super close to each other. So yeah, I've talked to him a bunch of times. Doesn't make less uh anxiety inducing to speak to him though one funny thing i think it's funny every time i see him i have i feel the need to like introduce myself and because i'm convinced he has no idea who i am <laughs> and i'm pretty sure i am correct because he always acts like um he's meeting me for the first time 
<laughs> so I don't know. The uh, the Billy Phil's the public reading I did was in Dallas, and it just so happened that Lansdale was also reading in da- at the same event. So I mean, that was pretty insane to uh, get up on stage and read something. Did you go before him or after him? It, uh, he he closed. <laughs> I'm going to throw Patrick under the bus here because he is a Lansdale virgin. So I was hoping that you could suggest the best place to start for him. Yeah, I would suggest the best Joe Lansdale. It's a collection. That's what uh, introduced his book as well. It had, I mean, you can't go wrong with it. It's Bubba Hotep, the novella that was eventually made into a film by uh, Don Castorella. It has all of his best short stories, I think, in it, and it's a great introduction. And then if you wanted to do his novels, you could always go with Ivan, which is kind of a goofy book pretty uh, nutty and cartoonish if you want something a bit more uh, serious i would go with bottoms which is kind of like to kill a mockingbird but maybe a bit more uh, uh grown-up feeling <laughs> and i uh would also recommend the uh, happen Leonard books uh, i think the uh, initial book is savage season uh, yeah. and that's a great book yeah and uh also the tv show adaptation of Arnold was awesome, and all of his adaptations really good. Like Cold Eye was a great movie, also a great book. So I mean, you can't really go wrong with him. Okay. I don't think I saw Cold in July, but did that have Michael C. Hall in it? It did. Yeah, it was yeah. also uh, made by the same guy who adapted Happen Leonard. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I that was my first Lansdale book was Cold in July, and I just like the the way he writes dialogue in general, but especially in that book, just really, really pulled me in. Like, just nobody does it like that. I've seen Boba Hotep, the movie, and that was funny as hell. I own it on DVD. So if the book's anything like it, uh, I'm going to probably love it. You would, man. You should definitely check it out. So as far as ghoulish goes, now you mentioned that you kind of like to hit a theme and try your best to stick with it, although that's, you know, not always successful. What kind yeah. of brought that idea about? Well, I uh, didn't want to do... I didn't want to copy, like, say, what Michael Wilson was doing. I didn't want to do a long-film podcast where I go through, like, the beginning and to, like, what's going on now. Like, I mean, there's lots of podcasts like that, and those were great, but I don't have the stamina to do that. Like, until 20 minutes of hosting a podcast, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm out of questions. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> I... <laughs> So I thought just picking one thing would make it kind of stand out and maybe would make it more exciting for uh, the guests as well, because now they know, okay, I don't have to pull questions that maybe I've already answered a bunch of times. I usually let them pick, okay, what is something that makes you really excited about this genre? Let's talk about that only. And instead, we often stray from the theme quite a bit. How do you go about selecting guests to come on? Well, I have a, an assortment of friends who live in Austin who I enjoy talking to, so they come on quite a bit. Like a, Andrew Hiltbolt is a frequent guest. Uh, Betty Rocksteady, she lives in Canada, but we talk a lot, so it's, it's an easy dialogue we have with each other. But also, I, I like to go, like with mo- most podcasts do, I, uh, I see what books are coming out to get like little named author. Because they will more likely say yes to a podcast if they have to promote a new book anyway. And I get a, like like all 
schedule. We get a lot of advanced reading copies. So you can kind of make a schedule based off of what's coming out in the year. Now, let's take it back to your uh, publishing company, uh, to your press. Um, Paul Michael Anderson actually is not Michael David Wilson in disguise. <laughs> Paul Michael Anderson, standalone. I haven't yeah. dove into that yet. Um I, me and Brennan, actually, we talk about it quite a bit. We're excited for it. Um, he's going to be in the show in September. But what is it that you would like to tell people that uh, may be interested, especially slasher fans? Because that's a very popular genre, I would think. Yeah. So it kind of has a unique approach to slashers, meaning the protagonist is the slasher. And it's not written in a way where the protagonist is unlikable. So I don't, to my knowledge, there's not many books or movies where the protagonist is someone whose job it is to kill innocent bystanders and also feel like emotional for that protagonist. Like, there's no, ah, this guy's a scumbag. Paul sets it up in a way that is highly unique and something I had never read before. And like uh, Stephen Graham Jones, he uh, he was kind enough to do some advanced praise on the book, and he, even he said something like, wow, I've never seen a slash old book done this way, and he's the, he's the king of slashes. He also said something how, like, uh, next time I teach a, a slash old class, this book is definitely going to be on the list of recommended readings. I mean, that, oh, that's wow. pretty cool. So yeah. if that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what what's gonna. I, I don't know what else to say about that because you just said it. The the king of slashers uh, praised it, and wants to teach about it. That's really cool. I didn't know that. Now is he someone that you might be working with ever? <laughs> sorry Stephen you, Graham Jones. Yeah, sorry to put you on the spot, but I would love to, but no, probably not. I mean, he he's finally gone beyond the the threshold, the fucking ditch of small press, and he's gone up into the big old presses, so I don't see him coming back down, especially with the success he's had with Mongrels and now the only good Indians. And yeah, we don't have the type of money to uh, publish a Ooh. Stephen Graham Jones book. <laughs> that one that one looks like it's going to do really well, and it's through Saga. Do, do you guys know what, um, what that's an imprint from? I can't think of it off the top of my head. I have no idea. Okay. Um, back to standalone. Um, now you're doing a thing where the, I think it's the first 350 people who pre-order it also get serial yeah. killer trading cards. Tell us a little bit about those. <laughs> okay. Can... Yeah. So, uh, Paul had this idea to kind of mimic the old school, um, uh, model trading cards. Like they had the ones for X-Men and Spider-Man and all that. I need maybe the eighties. I don't know. Any case, he came up with uh, six ideas for a slashal thing to kill. Like one is called the Skill Crow, and uh, I don't have it in front of me, so I'm blanking on the rest of the names. But any any case, uh, we went to uh, Luke Spoonel, who's a guy in the UK. Used him a bunch of times to do illustrations. I gave him descriptions that Paul came up. With. He knocked it out like in a half a day. We filmed them to. Uh, Looks like actual uh, trading cards on the back of the cards. We even have like stats and stuff about that specific kill tool. And yeah, we uh, we're printing them up on actual thick trading card uh, build, and we will be sending a packet, all six of them, with a 
every uh, pre-ordered copy and well, until we get to the uh, limit that is on the website, including also a signed book plate by uh, Paul. That's, That's awesome. Cool. And uh, Luke Spooner is um, the artist who did the only the only cover I'm familiar with is he did Andy Cole's Remains. And that that is an awesome, awesome cover. So, I mean, that's my experience with his artwork. But um, I'd be really excited to see what those look like. So I, I should pre-order the book and I should do it should, quickly. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I have a funny uh, Luke Spoonal story I'll tell you guys. Like I said, I've worked with him a long time. He usually does like the interior illustrations of some of the books we do. I did this book called uh, Stealing Propeller Hats from the Dead by David James Keaton the zombie collection and uh each uh each uh Schultz still had like an illustration to begin it with and uh one of the illustrations we wanted luke to draw a zombie shotgunning a bill so you know what that means right so i guess in the uk that phrase is not a thing so he sent us a photo of a zombie shooting a can with a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. I laughed so much. I'm laughing now. It's been like fucking five years. <laughs> so so you used that, right? You didn't have him redo it? <laughs> no, we had him do a new one. But I think we used we put that like at the end of the book as a bonus illustration. <laughs> Were you able to find it? Like, do they do that in the UK and have a different name for it? Or do they not drink like that? <laughs> he was just baffled when I told him what it meant. So I thought that doesn't exist. So he just he hangs out with a different crowd. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the differences in our lingo from the people in the uh, in the UK. It's really interesting. Such as Fanny does not mean but over there. It means the French version. Yeah. And something else I discovered with them is that. You guys know the uh, the Wills Waldo books? In the yeah. UK, it's, Wall- it's Wally. Why? <laughs> it's so strange. Wally. Yeah. yeah. It's not like Waldo is a super popular name over here. So I don't, no, I don't, I don't get that one. I don't uh, know anyone named that. The, the one I saw thrown out today was um, uh, Jim McLeod of Ginger Nuts and Horror throughout uh, baw bag, which I had never heard before, which is apparently the Scottish slang for scrotum. Um, for anybody who's interested in working that into their vocabulary, yeah, <laughs> that's usually what I call the uh, bag I keep balls in. No. <laughs> <laughs> um. So as far as your release schedule goes, by the way, that was that that was it, the the spelling on that is B A W B A G. Ball bag would be oh. a, little too, a little too on the nose, I think. Um, not not quite as, you know, I wouldn't feel as, oh, I never knew that. Uh, if it was just ball bag, that's, you know, <laughs> I, more the yeah, first slang than the Scottish slang. I thought um, you said ball bag, too, as in B-A-L-L bag. I'll lean in, I'll lean in closer to the mic next time. Um, and also it's the, I don't know if I can blame the, uh, Massachusetts accent for that, but I'm going to anyway. Oh, you're um, from Massachusetts? Me too. I am. I am. <laughs> In case the Boston hat didn't give it away. Uh, oh. yeah. For, uh, audio listeners, Brendan is wearing a Boston hat. Um, Nailed so it. as far as your, <laughs> Good job, as bud. far as your release schedule, how, how do you guys determine, um, about how many books you're going to put out in a year? And obviously this year is different, but on average. I don't think, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) 
I've, I've been asked this question before, and I uh, never will know how to answer it, because uh, organization is not my strongest uh, attribute. I uh, <laughs> A lot of it is a lot of frantic uh, emails, and I don't know. I We don't have that thought, okay, how many should we put out this year? I guess once we get like the three or maybe five, it's like, ah, this is too much. Let's let's hold off now. Yeah. We don't have like a system in place where we go, ah, we gotta we gotta get the quota. We just yeah, we don't have anything official. We will not extremely uh, professional. Yeah. We to try to time the releases around conventions that come out. So we had uh Paul's book coming out in August, actually, of this year, because it was going to time up with, like, three conventions that we were both going to go to and that happening. So we pushed it back to uh, September. Reason, I don't know if I can say, but uh, if you're a fan of certain surfaces that uh, sends out uh, boxes of collected books, uh, that's the reason, and I don't know what else I can say about that, but you guys might know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I think you'd be safe to say that, but I, I also wouldn't want, you know, anybody coming after me from that specific service, so. <laughs> I don't know, I read between the yeah. lines, and I figured that out, so, yeah, yeah I, I'm sure our, I mean, our listeners are very bright people, so. Unrelated, uh, Paul Michael does have another book coming out in September through uh, Night Realms, so that's cool. Is that the one with Bracken McCloud? Yeah, I believe one of the other books will be included. I don't know. Who could say? Isn't it usually three or four? Uh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> maybe right. one of those Maybe one of those might be a novella by Paul. I don't know. Who Anything's knows? possible. Yeah. So, so he, Max, he has uh, worked with Nightworms in the past, so. And so have we. Yes. Yeah. Brenny, you got any more questions about his pu- publishing? <laughs> Actually, I do. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of wondering. Um, since Tales from the Crust, since the pizza anthology. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to ask you if you've gotten, you know, pizza <laughs> stories after that closed. I'm sure you have, but. Has that changed the types of submissions that come into you? Like, do people just start just send you their weirdest shit now because they know you're into it? I don't think so. I do see folks like mentioning it, like in the email, and they submit it like as a joke. And I'm like, ah, this isn't a joke. I have PTSD. Don't joke around about this. <laughs> but yeah, but I haven't noticed any differences in the submissions. Once in a while, we do get a pizza themed one, but that's about it. Mm. The, big, the biggest uh, like change that happened, I would say, is now if you go to any like open call and the guidelines, you see no pizza stories. So I, so you know, like all those rejections just fucking annihilated every little uh, open call submission. <laughs> Did you see the one that went up recently for a cake anthology, and they specifically cited no reworked pizza stories? Yeah. <laughs> no reworked pizza stories. My uh, my pal uh, Ben's doing that. He has a great YouTube channel. You guys should check it out. I don't know the name of it, so look for Ben on YouTube. <laughs> Plug it. <laughs> yeah, he reviews books. He did. He reviewed the pizza book, and somehow, in the uh, editing software, he turned himself into a pizza as the review went on. It was fucking strange. <laughs> How many weird. slices did he give it? <laughs> 
I don't know. I hope slices. Yes. Let's be honest. It's like a two sliced. (laughs) So uh, you talked a little bit about your World War II story. That interests me a lot. I like history. Um, I'm wondering. That doesn't. It didn't sound like it's a horror. But uh, is there anything you can tell us about it? No. I mean, it's something I'm still writing. I actually just kind of put a pause on it because it's it's exhausting because every time I need to write anything into it, I have to go and do some research. And I'm not someone who does a lot of research. So the past, since the beginning of the year I've been milking on it, I'm only like 20,000 molds into it. And it keeps changing every time I go back to it. But uh, this week, actually, I decided to, to take a hiatus because... I know I'm not going to finish that book for at least another year and a half, probably, just because of how big and epic it is in scope. So, yeah, I took a break. Now I began something else I'm hoping to finish within the next uh, few months, hopefully. And uh, I don't know what I can say about that one because I kind of want to keep that one a secret. Sure. I won't say anything. This is not being recorded either. Do you typically do one book at a time, or do you throw in short stories? For and, and the reason, the specific reason why I ask is because I heard Josh Malaman say something interesting that I never thought of before on a show last week where he said he writes um, short stories in between novels. Now I don't know if he always does that, but he said he has. Uh, I'm just it got me thinking. Like it's a time when you're. To, you normally would take away from not looking at your novel. You know, you give yourself a little time to look at it with new eyes. So you want to write something that's not too long. Um, do you do anything like that? I I haven't written a, a short story in a few years, actually. So not with that. But I do a lot of nonfiction stuff. So, yeah, kind of. I, I, that would be considered a, a brief break from, like, novel writing. I do – I write, like, uh, nonfiction for places like uh, Crime Reads and uh, Lit React also. That's a nice little uh, interlude uh, of, of ways that I can write something without having to make stuff up. I can just go, okay, these are the facts. How do I write it in an entertaining way? How'd you get hooked up with Lit Reactor? Because you pretty much seem to cover every writing aspect that someone could pursue. Yeah, Lit Reactor. Uh, I've been with them, I think, for about six shields now. And they basically they uh, posted a, hey, we need new contributors, so uh, send a pitch as a like application, and I did, and they accepted it, and yeah, that's how I got hooked up with them. It was a uh, shockingly easy. Okay. And uh, I got one more question about a future book. I got permission from Michael to ask. Michael, David, I mean, uh, Melvin Douglas Wallaby said, <laughs> said yeah. that uh, I could ask you about the book you're working on with him about fucks, ducks, I meant ducks. You're working on duck books. It's Sorry, called that, wo- it's that okay. was a typo. That was a typo. <laughs> it's called Wounded Duck. And it's a uh, an idea that we came up with after he was texting me one night because I, I do a night shift at a hotel and he lives in Japan. So when I'm at my job, he's kind of like doing his day to day stuff. And he uh, was texting me because he has this uh, this neighbor who's always like jump roping at odd times. And he's always like sobbing as he jump ropes and he listens to like odd music and we just kind of began like joking around with different possibilities of what could be going on with him. And 
one of the ideas we came up with ended up being like, ah, that'd be a good book. So yeah, that's what we're doing. And I don't want to say anything else about the plot of that because it would uh, ruin the magic. Now, is this like in Japan or was this when he was in uh, in England? At Japan, yeah. So the the jump roping enthusiast is uh, still at law. Uh, he's still loose. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I I would be interested to know more as far as that goes. Um, actually, I lied. I got one more question about a future book that you probably can't say anything about. Um, creature feature. You are gonna be one of the people that are part of the. Uh, let's just call it the Keelan. Patrick slash uh, Alan Baxter book series. Yeah, I had no idea what you were talking about for a second. I was like, what book? (laughs) So (laughs) this is a little exclusive to Dead Headspace. Me and Max are writing a creature feature together. We don't know what it's about. (laughs) Uh, Seriously, what what is your creature feature about? And is that the right title, uh, subgenre? I guess. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know. I kind of half-assed uh, said I would do one on Twiddle, and now it's the question everybody wants to know. I don't know how I got involved. <laughs> it was a joke when I said I would do it, and then uh, Keelan uh, made a front cover for it, and now people are expecting me to do this. I have began something. It's going to be about an armadillo, and I'm like <laughs> 1,200 builds into it. <laughs> Eventually, I'm going to get to it, but the whole idea with these books, I guess, is all the uh, proceeds will be going to a charity. And uh, I guess I'm focusing more on things that might help me uh, quit my day job. So it doesn't have the highest of priorities at the moment. No, I, I got you. Well, yeah, I guess if it wasn't for the pandemic, you'd be closer to that goal, it sounded like, as far as a uh, movie adaptation to one of your books. And, I mean, I don't know about you, but you got a few bucket lists uh, – publishers that i'd like to check off such as well fangoria wasn't one but that's pretty awesome i didn't know that they published books until yours came out and then um uh cemetery dance uh are you are you friends with rich Schismar? i i seem to be now i wasn't at the time <laughs> i mean sometimes i'll text him things and he doesn't respond so i don't know <laughs> <laughs> I heard you say that uh, he, when you guys talked about Touch Tonight, he referred to you as someone, uh, as Rich uh, Layman, Richard Layman, uh, similar to his. Yeah. Yeah, Dick Dick (laughs) Layman. Is that a new name? Dick Layman. That's his name, Dick Layman. I'm glad it's that way. If you reverse the name, it's kind of uh, a little weird, don't you think? It's kind of a command. Lay Dick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, uh, he said uh, he reminded me of uh, Dick Layman, and I said, ah, thanks, but I've, I've never read him, so I don't know if that's a compliment or not. I know he <laughs> writes the word, I know he writes the word rump a lot in his books. Nice, I like a good rump. What about you fellas? Uh, yeah, no, I, I like a good rumping. <laughs> I think those are different things. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck it means. Gonna, so running. Gross. <laughs> Some mashed potatoes. With uh, some rumping. This is a good segue to talk about what I'm sure you'd like to talk about now. Oh, what is that? Touch the night, motherfucker. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, So we we glossed a little bit, but um, how did you get hooked up with Cemetery Dance for uh, Touch the Night? Did they come looking for you? Oh, God, he's gone. (laughs) (laughs) 
for those just listening to the show, Max has a background of a very close close-up of his face. He disappeared into his uh, nostril, and he was showing us Touch the Night, the hardcover edition, which is beautiful, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. I knew. <laughs> what was the question? I was completely distracted by my goofs. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's it almost wiped it from my mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the question, I think, was uh, how did you get hooked up with Cemetery Dance to do that? Yeah, so I uh, emailed him. I said, hey, I am having a difficult time giving you an agent. And uh, I want to send you this book, can I? And he said, yeah. So I sent it to him along with a synopsis of the whole plot. And some time passed, and uh, he emailed me and said, hey, this is good. I want to publish it. And I said, okay. <laughs> then the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah, I'll have like an exciting story. No, I hate to be like, rude. That's not a very exciting said, story. Yeah. Could you could you jazz it up a little bit? Maybe add like a chase scene. <laughs> I uh, I Hire had Michael just Bay. seen uh, I had just seen uh, the new uh, Toy Story movie, and I came out of the theater and I looked at my phone and I said, "Hey, Max, this was good. I want to publish this." And I said, "Yeah." And. Uh, the family, my family was like, ah, that's cool. Let's leave this movie theater now. And I said, okay. <laughs> and then we left. So we drove at the limit of the speed limit signs on the road. We did not the law. Very good. Very good. I like it. Yeah. So yeah. they they published the hardcover and the uh, the ebook. E-book. Yeah. Um, and then Perpetual Motion Machine took over the paperback. That's correct. Yeah, he, uh, despite liking the book, he didn't want to do the paperback. So I guess he didn't like it as much as he claimed. So I was left to do the paperback myself, and that's what I did. And, uh, yeah, I think it, I kind of like doing that myself. I mean, I also self-released the, uh, a new novella, because I need to do something, and, uh, that was cool. I like having all the control. I've, uh, I've had books come out with presses in the past, and, uh, it's led to, Difficulties and frustrations, so I kind of skip that by just doing it myself. That's fair. So, uh, for we need to do something now. You've probably been on like you know thirty-eight podcasts by now to tell the synopsis of that. But can I ask you to do the shorthand version one more time? Yeah, uh, it's about a family stuck in a bathroom during a tornado warning. All right. So and they get the, trapped. In it. So yeah, I mean. During the, the, the storm that happens, a tree falls down, it crashes through the house, it lands on the opposite side of the bathroom door, and they can't get out, and what happens, uh, we follow the next week, week and a half, two weeks, two weeks and a half, who knows, who could say? Yeah, time means nothing. Well, at least they have a toilet in there. They do have a toilet, they have a sink, they have a pan, they have a bathtub, they it's have, also uh, relatable with the whole toilet paper thing. You think so? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> I uh, I don't I don't talk about the to- the TP situation in the book, but uh, yeah, I, I assume they had plenty in stock. It would have been a, a, a fucking awful situation if not. Unless they have a bidet, I don't know. I don't remember the bidet, but what's nice about, you know, the whole story featuring in one bathroom is that all of those features you just mentioned, the toilet, the sink, the tub, 
those are all major players in the setting. They all come into, you know, play at some point in the book. <laughs> well, the toilet's the protagonist. It actually <laughs> narrates the book. <laughs> I, I will tell you that my personal bathroom door opens in, but I do believe in the existence of bathroom doors that where the door opens out. So I, I'm not going to pick on have, you for that. If I didn't have my face as a background, I could get up and show you the bathroom. It's right behind me, the one I based it on. <laughs> uh, can we get an autograph from the protagonist? Yeah. I mean, probably. Um, there's probably some stuff I can collect from the bottom of it and send you. I'll I can, send you I can... address after we're done here. <laughs> I mean, I work at a shit. I work at a shit plant, so I'll bring it to work. You work at a shit plant? A plant that what produces feces? What are you talking about? Uh, it's a wastewater treatment plant, meaning that we clean all the county's poop and pee and whatever anyone else flushes down the toilet. Nice. I'm uh, stripping for you guys because it is hot in this room. How hot is it? Uh, hot, man. I don't have any fans on because I'm doing a podcast, so it feels like it's sauna now. Well, I appreciate you suffering for us. Uh, it's <laughs> probably probably for the best. I mean, yeah. Leads to a funnier Max, right? I, I, I gotta be honest. I'm uh, I'm a little surprised you had no follow up questions for Patrick when he said. Uh, option number three, you know, one was was pee, there was poop, and there was anything else that goes down the toilet. I'm very curious about what the most interesting anything else you've ever come across is. Me? No, no, no. well, Patrick, you, Max, yeah. you don't work at a shit plant, so. Yeah. I was... <laughs> toilets. Gonna be honest, man, it's uh, not exciting. I've seen a lot of uh, lady products, uh, a lot of plastic bags. A lot of uh, those, uh, I'm doing air quotes, disposable wipes do damage to systems. Uh, it's a pretty shitty job. <laughs> You're right. That's not interesting. What a terrible how, question. How often do you say it's a shit job? Uh, probably more than I'd like to admit to. <laughs> <laughs> I would also say that. It's okay. So I actually have a question that I've asked two people now, and I didn't even think I'd ask one person, but um, first ask Ken McKinley about trilogies. Then he talked to Mercedes Yardley about it. So I was curious if you would be interested in giving us your input. What is your take as a both an author and a publisher with, let's just say it's someone that either doesn't have a name, hasn't published yet, or maybe has not the best track record with publications what do you say to people that want to pursue either a trilogy or a series? Is that a good idea? Is that something that they should go for? I don't know. I mean, it seems like with any experience I've had with it, and also from listening to Rebels, that it's always it always leads to like bad feelings about it because almost always the second book and the follow ups they don't sell as much as the one does and you seem to come into a lot of frustration if you finish book one out and then you like you get this pressure to get the rest of them done so i don't know if it's a good or bad thing i don't think i have an opinion about if you should or shouldn't do it but i would recommend if you do want to do it maybe have all the books already done 
that's my uh, best uh, advice is to wait to release them until you have all the books done. Unless yes. it's like unless it's like one of those crime series where you just have like the same protagonist and they go around doing like a different case. That's different. But like if you have a connected trilogy, it would be nice if you had the trilogy all the way done. Because, I mean, I don't know about you guys. I mean, like, when I finish a book, I have to go back to the beginning many times and add new things and take things out, right? And it seems to me, I've never written, like, a sequel. I haven't done a trilogy. But it seems to me it would be a pain in the ass if I'm doing book three and I think, ah, if only I had this idea in book all of this would really connect, and you would be able to do that if you hadn't already released book one. So to make everything smooth and connect and all the right foreshadowing, it seems like you should wait to do anything until you have the complete story told the way you want it told. That Yeah, I've heard that before. That's, that's solid advice. Okay. Um, and we talked about conventions earlier. I wanted to ask, Scares of Care, you mentioned, we actually talked about it probably, I don't know when. It seems like last year. Could have been months ago. Uh, Scares of Care was one of the conventions that you were going to go to. Yeah. Have yeah. you gone to that before? No, this was going to be my first time going. I was uh, thrilled to do it because I was going to meet... Uh, Paul and Michael Anderson for the first time too. I've known him since I began publishing. He uh, he accepted my novel when he was editing for a like, different press. I mean, I've known him a long time, but we've never met. And yeah, I was so excited, but now it's not happening. Yeah, maybe next year. Paul and Michael Anderson edited your first book. Was it? Yeah. Did you say, yeah. What, 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 what uh, press was that with? Uh, a company called Postmodern Press. It is Mongol in existence. So it, uh, the, the novel was called a Toxicity. It, it it wasn't Paul's press. He just he had a job that uh he did some freelance editing and he was one of the guys who did like the acquisition editing and like the uh, copy editing and yeah he read my book in the slush pile and recommended the. Uh, press accept it and they did how did that feel awful <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's great yeah absolutely i mean debut novel it was accepted i was like fucking 20 maybe yeah i didn't think that would ever happen and then it did Aren't you i only, thought yeah this is this is cool you're only what 28 now 27 yeah I think it's fair to say you're the youngest one we've talked to so far. You, that's crazy because you've done so much. <laughs> you, I mean, you've gotten published by some reputable names. You got your own publishing company. You own a magazine with your wife. People, everyone seems to know you. So that's scary. Yeah, it's frightening. Uh, I don't know. I was uh, I was doing a, a text interview today, and I had to go look up something in my old emails, and I saw the uh, the Billy Fils' uh, short story I sold. Well, I say sold in in quotes. It was accepted in English, but I wasn't paid anything. It was uh, in July of 2011, which was uh, the month I turned 18. So yeah, I guess I've been doing being published at least since 2011. I saw that. That was a very uh... Let's say unique situation. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, like I like to say, I am a magnet for madness, and the lunatics uh, often seem to cross my path. 
So speaking of that, is there ever a situation as a publisher where you come across – I'm not looking for specifics, of course. Yeah. But anything where you just <laughs> either laugh and shake your head or you you tell Lori, like, what the fuck are we supposed to do with this? <laughs> is there any advice that you would tell authors that are just looking to be published with you guys or anyone else? So I've definitely had those uh, things happen with us. And, uh, yeah, I'm not into specifics just because I feel like it's a different uh, – what do you, what do you say? it's different when, like, you're the one being published by the the psychopath because I – don't, I don't know, like, different dynamic when I am the one publishing them. I, like, I wouldn't shit talk them or anything like that, so I'm not going to – No, but, yeah, uh, Recommendations, little advice for, like, how to get published with us. I, I don't know. Don't be – a dickhead uh be good at writing like right now i mean we do have an open call full submissions but only told uh philsons of color at the moment just because we kind of realized oh fuck we've uh, mostly published uh, the whites we should change that so that's what we're trying to do but besides that we don't really as uh, do open calls that much anymore just because it's a pain in the ass usually i mean I'm friends with a lot of folks in the drama, and I pay attention to what they have been uh, working on. And if I see, if I uh, know someone I like a lot, I know they could do good writing. I know they actually do stuff on social media, so it's not just going to be me <laughs> promoting them only. I'll reach out and be like, "Hey, hit me up when you want to have presses consider what you wrote." That's pretty cool, man. Real quick, I, I wanted to jump in um, about you guys having open submissions uh, to people of color only. I I thought that was a really cool move, and we've had a couple conversations with um, people on on different episodes where they they basically say that the reason they might not trying to think how to phrase this. So basically, they are more likely to. Uh, submit their story to a publisher they see with a more diverse lineup. And even though you may have a publisher like uh, like you guys, let's say six months ago, that is absolutely not you know opposed and is definitely willing to take those submissions because they look at a lineup that is typically all white, they might feel unwelcome and not as willing to um, to submit there. So the you know owners, the publishers, coming forward and saying we want your stories and we're going to make this drastic move to show to show you that we really mean it um is just it, is it's huge and I'm, I'm sure you've heard that more than once or twice in the last couple months but yes thank you i uh i appreciate that a lot and we'll trying to improve i mean i think if you will not trying to improve then you either remain it or you line into uh something else so i we would like to improve I've filled a few uh, praises because of the open call. Definitely have gotten some criticism besides that. So, yeah, I mean, a few folks will uh, not too happy with that. And, uh, eh, fuck them. Can't please everybody. Yeah, you know, for just, you know, from knowing your online persona, that's the exact reaction I would expect. If I were not too pleased with that, I would expect Max Booth to say, fuck you to me um and i'm sure those people are not disappointed my favorite uh my favorite thing to say online when someone is being stupid especially on twitter like if this is 
almost on topic, but not quite. Like, usually, like, if you post, like, if I post something about something I like, or if I post, like, an article to something I wrote, and if you always get someone who will comment, like, trying to disagree with you, or, like, basically weigh in with the old opinion when nobody asked, my favorite response is to type, oh, okay, gets them every time. I don't know why. But sometimes they apologize. I don't know why, but oh, okay. It gets them. It has to be just okay. It can't be okay, A, Y. It has to be okay. Something about that type of magic in the spelling knocks them down every time. It's nice <laughs> that you figured out a strategy. It's almost like yeah. you're saying there's a lot of assholes out there. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> it's a storm of anuses, I would say, yeah. <laughs> a storm of anuses. I like it. So Once Max, again, if we, if we titled the the uh, episodes, I think that would be our title. But we don't, versus, so it's not. Yeah. It no, wouldn't be a ch- children of child game bangs. No, no, no. We left that in the past. We're uh, we're, we're pretending that one didn't happen. I'm oh, pretty I, sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure that wouldn't be allowed on Lipson. <laughs> you do a lot of things on Lipson. I'm new to it, so maybe. I mean, I'm not gonna try that one though, Max. So <laughs> just moving fast. Yeah, <laughs> greatest uh, idea you have, you could do, man. Just ignore me when I talk about that stuff and keep going. So I got a kick, have... Patrick. I'm sorry. I know you're changing the subject. I got a kick. You were on a, a podcast. Uh, I uh, I don't actually know when you were on it. I listened to it a couple weeks ago, and mm. it was um, a little less, let's say, silly than than Inkheist, for example. Yeah. Um, and I remember you made a joke about edging. And they just totally like it, it, like it never happened, and and you just you let it you let it go. You're like, okay, it's this kind of show. <laughs> what does that say about me that I'm trying to think? Okay, what podcast did I talk about edging? And like eight of them pop up. <laughs> it could be any of them. I think it was the uh, edging podcast. I wish that was one. Exactly. I would, uh... So can I read the thing that you posted recently because I think it's pretty funny. Uh, it has to do with your zombie story submission, just so yes. there's context. Go ahead. All right. <laughs> so this is a uh, – <laughs> this is this is what the show is now, I guess. Fuck it. So Max got an email that he posted on Twitter. I think it's pretty funny, but I just want to hear what you have to say about it. So for the listeners, uh, this is what it said. Subject, zombie story submission. In the body, it says, hi, Max. Okay, here's the deal. As far as your writing style, I was fine with it. The only thing is that, to me, your story is more like a document by a scientist than a story, but it isn't that bad that I would reject it outright. I like it, but not enough to want to give you a book for it. In other words, I don't want to pay you for it, as I don't love it. But many writers could care less about the book and just want to be accepted and published. If that's you, then let me know, and I will still use your story, put it in the antho, send you the contract, if you say, hell no, I want compensation, that's fine, but then I have to reject this particular story and how you want to send more standard stuff with people talking and fighting, etc., or anything in between. I'm fine with whatever you want to do. And thanks again for sending it so quickly. If the answer is yes, you want in, I attach cover art for the info. Your story would be in. Cheers. And just for uh, the record, there is lots of misspellings. I probably tripped over them. Um, he doesn't like capitalization. Punctuation is really, uh, you know, in the air. So for someone that is editing a potential book, as he puts it, 
and not a anthology. I don't know. It just sounded weird because he's talking about an anthology. It is a book, but whatever. Um, it was weird that an editor would uh, have a lot of typos to someone that he's kind of rejecting. <laughs> so do you have any comments to that? <laughs> that post? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, just for reference to the uh, audience and also watching i haven't forgotten about you uh, <laughs> this was the uh the story i mentioned previously in the episode about my uh, first acceptance it was july 11 i had never gotten anything published uh, this was a brand new thing for me and i uh, did not realize <laughs> how fucking incredible of a response that was so like going into it blind i was like ah I don't need any money. Why would I need money? Why would anyone pay me the right? I just want to get published, which is the uh, mindset a lot of folks have when they first get into this. And it's a it's a mistake to think that way, but it's also understandable because we we just we're so desperate to get published that we will do anything. That man's name, uh, he is commonly known known as Tony G. He had many uh, micro presses when I first began writing and publishing. He's kind of vanished now. Uh, some of the companies, Living Dead Press, one was called Open Casket Press. Uh, at one point, he had one called STFU Publishing, which is Shut the Fuck Up Publishing. He is a maniac. Uh <laughs> He is a lunatic. He is a psycho. Uh, the second submission I ever sent him, because I sent him a new one for some reason, <laughs> I was living alone. I was 18. I uh, had a cell phone for the first time in my life. And I was, uh, you, you give your cell phone number out on a couple of levels when you submit something. And it was 10, 11 p.m. He, uh, I got a phone call. It was him. And it sounded like he was coked up out of his mind. He did not he uh he snorted a lot he uh his his voice got really high as he got excited and he was telling me how he uh the whole publishing uh, industry was out to get him also uh, made it really clear that he had read my submission but he would never publish a story told from the uh, phil spilson and that no respectable uh, company would ever publish that type of fiction i would have to rewrite it to be in filled pilsen and i said no that's okay i'm not gonna do that because like at that point i realized i had I'd made a big mistake i will uh <laughs> dealing with this lunatic and he talked to me for like an hour maybe even two i don't know at this point this was 2012 <laughs> well 2011 yeah so he's uh, he's pretty insane uh, if you uh you can find out some more stuff about him if you do some Googling. Uh, there was a pretty big controversy around his time because he also published a, uh, a short story from someone named Mandy DeGate. D-E-G-E-I-T. DeGate? I don't know. Anyway, the controversy was he had made all say, these edits to Billy, and she uh, he never sent it back so Mandy could uh, see what he wrote or edited he added like rape scenes to the story and just published it that way with Mandy's name on it. And it was shit blew up after that. He kind of went into the fucking ditch you crawled out of. Yes, that's yeah. wild. Questions? What the fuck? I don't know how to follow <laughs> up with that, man. There you go. There's the, it's the rambling Max I've been waiting for all my life. <laughs> I don't know what to follow up with that, Brian. Seriously. <laughs> 
I had something, but I, the story sucked me in. Max, before we uh, head towards the finish line, I had one more thing I wanted to ask you about. Uh, we need to do something, but really it's applicable to a lot of your writing. Yeah. Um, so with that and with uh, carnivorous lunar activities, you kind of based both of those in a just really small, enclosed, just one location. What What is it about that tact that kind of appeals to you? I enjoy having limitations to play around with. And I think if I limit myself one setting, a few settings, just a limited amount of settings, and I, I know I can't expand the vast cast. A vast cast. That's a, I'm, I'm coining that to own. So I, I don't like having a vast cast. Uh, I'm sick of it. Someone else can use it. Uh, a big <laughs> cast. Stephen King. Fuck. I lost already what I was saying. Anyway, I just like the ha- I like having the limitations. I think having a limited cast, a limited setting, I should say, adds a nice uh, touch of claustrophobia. I enjoy. Uh, I wrote. We need to do something specifically because a friend of mine me up with a uh, uh, indie Canadian film company. So I wrote it as a script to begin with, and I wrote it with a limited budget. And uh, that didn't happen, so I uh, decided to uh, rewrite it as a novella. I, it's just a lot of fun. I don't know. I enjoy challenging myself. Like a lot of times when you uh, you talk to Reynolds, sometimes you'll hear them say, "Ah, oh, I love a kind of putting them in the cool of a room and seeing how they might be able to get out of it." But I kind of do that in the, like the most physical sense. I put them in a room and see what they can do. <laughs> I get kind of a issue like with this uh, Los Alamos book is I'm, I'm doing now is I have all of like New Mexico to play with and that's kind of a uh, tillifying to me. I enjoy having something much more minimal, much more uh, smaller than fucking state to play around with. Like the book I'm writing right not this instant, but I was looking at it today. It takes place mostly in the house, a little bit in the back. That's about it. I don't know. I I think my greatest strength with uh, writing, at least, the dialogue. I, I, I love writing dialogue. It's my favorite thing to do, and I, I think I am pretty good at it. And you can really use that in a, a book or a movie, screenplay, anything, when you just have a limited setting and you just have these kill tools bouncing off of each other. I think that's a lot of fun. Yeah, and I, and I would say that, you know... Um, with, with a book like We Need to Do Something, y- you can't pull that book off if you're not pretty good at dialogue. So, yes, I agree. You are good at dialogue. Thank you. Um, did, yeah, of course. Did you get into either one of those, that or Lunar Activities, get partway through it and say, shit, this was a bad idea. I want to <laughs> leave the bathroom. <laughs> Honestly, no. I don't know. I think I'm just really comfortable in that one setting. I those uh till the end of uh, carnivorous activities they uh they do leave the basement and that was probably the most stressful I was during the writing of the of the book because I thought ah anything can happen now they could go any direction it just it's, it seems safer in my mindset to keep them strapped in one place. Thank you. Uh, that's actually some good tips in there. Uh, isolation definitely works in horror. And it can help you become a better writer. I like dialogue too. It moves stories around uh, along a, a lot better than uh, you know narrative. 
which is sexy and more. When is the release date again for, uh, I keep wanting to say Michael David Wilson, Paul, Michael. Yeah, uh, mid-September. Okay, make sure to check that out, pre-order it. You can get your awesome sports cards, except it's slashers. So that will be fun to play with whoever wants to collect slasher cards or collect them all like Pokemon. That's still a thing, I think. I don't know. We sometimes like to ask our guests what they're reading, any book recommendations as well. So yeah. what what are you reading? Trying to think. I just finished uh, just finished uh, the new Flesh, which was a, a tribute anthology to David Cronenberg. That's pretty fun. I just finished uh, Tremblay's new book. I just finished uh, Stephen Graham Jones's. Uh, I finished that a while ago. What the fuck am I talking about? I just began uh, Adam Cizoli's uh, Clown in the Cornfield, and it's it's a lot of fun. I would recommend that. Yeah, I've heard good things about that. He's nice. a good dude. I like I like his books. I've been following him since uh, he began publishing. He's great. Hmm. How about you, uh, Brennan? Uh, I got a couple of things going. Real quick, I just finished Survivor Song. Max, how'd you like that one? I liked it a lot. It also, uh, I like that it uh, reminded me of a of a book I enjoyed even more by Tremblay. But I won't say anything else. <laughs> I, I realized as I began making that comment that I could be spoiling the book so i i locked myself into a trap yeah i like i don't know it's, okay we'll leave it there we'll leave it we'll leave the trap there you know we can eat we could probably even edit it to make it sound a little more like planned out but uh now um so i'm reading <laughs> <laughs> i'm reading white pines by uh gemma amore i'm reading all that's fair by sh cooper uh, her collection of stories comes out in, I think, September, maybe. How about you, Patty? Slaves to Gravity, that is by Summer Cannon and Wesley Southern. That is slated for, I think, August, early August. Brian Keene's Ghoul for the first time. Um, also reading Grindhouse Press's first anthology, Worst Laid Plans. It's pretty good. So uh, I just, I, really quickly, I want to remind readers, book reviewers, podcasters, librarians, booksellers, and lovers of great scary books that Buzz Book Expo 2020, it's just around the corner. Buzz Book Expo is a live streaming event in which publishers will be announcing all the great new horror fiction releases they have to offer through the coming year. There's going to be interviews, Q&As, presentations, book cover reveals, and more from all your favorite horror publishers, and it's all for free. You can spend two days immersed in exciting book talk from publishers and authors alike. The event takes place on August 22nd through 23rd, and all information, including links to the expo, can be found at marysangi, that's S-A-N-G-I, dot wordpress.com slash buzz dash book dash expo dash 2020. We hope to see you there. Thank you, sir. Max, thank you for your time. We really appreciate this. Everybody check out the books that we talked about. Max is uh, Touch Tonight through Cemetery Dance. Look yeah. for Standalone through Perpetual Ocean Machine Publishing. Anything else you want to recommend? Uh, yeah, The Mud Ballad by, uh, fuck, Joe Quinnell. It's not showing up. Yeah, The Mud Ballad. I'm reading oh. this as well. It's pretty What's that good. About? Uh, oh, yeah, it's about Siamese twins. It took me a moment. Yeah, it's about twins. Uh, this is what she wrote in the... Uh, she uh, signed it for me. She wrote, uh, Max, sew this book to your fucking head and never be alone again. So that's cool. Is that a Can't help but notice dream? that it's, it's not sewed to your head, though. 
Um, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. Now I'm going to finish. Max, where can I, people follow you? Uh, real quick, I want to. Can I tell you guys a story about that photo behind me? Go ahead. It just uh, popped up. Uh, when I was still on Facebook a few years ago, I, I, I had this fun. Is I say funny idea, funny to me, that I would make a uh, Facebook photo. Uh, what do you call those? Uh, those collections. So I made one. And I I called it. Hello Google, how do I take my photo? <laughs> and I uploaded the image you see behind me 150 times, and I pissed off so many people by just flooding the old fucking newsfeed with my face. <laughs> and again, it's a very very close up of his face, <laughs> eyes wide, thick black glasses. He's touching his areola, I think. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> His oh. shirt is coming off for anyone that is listening. Oh, no. <laughs> That's fucking creepy. My website is uh, Tales from the Booth. You can uh, find all the things you need to find on that website, including my Patreon, which is uh, patreon.com slash Publishing. And Twitter, where you can find them as uh, Give Me Your Teeth. <laughs> yeah. Where'd that, where'd that come from? I uh, I used to be a big fan of Cracked.com back before he went to shit, and there was a uh, columnist who would write called Sean Baby, and he would create these really funny photoshopped uh, articles of comic old school comic books. He also did this great article about the uh, the mascot from Bilgul King. <laughs> he had this image of the mascot above a man sleeping, and the caption was "Give me your teeth." And it made me laugh so much, and I still laugh about it now. And it's been like a decade, and yeah, I just thought, ah, I'll just do that. I'll never be able to look at Burger King again the same <laughs> way. <Or> sleep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Max Booth the Third, thank you, sir. Brennan, thank you for joining again. And everyone who listened, thank you. And please look out for Mary San Giovanni's. Hope I didn't fuck that last name up, guys. Did I fuck that last name up? Yeah. Probably. I've heard it pronounced two different ways by myself mm. tonight, so I don't know which one's right. Look out for the BuzzBook Expo 2020, August 22nd and 23rd, all free, online, good stuff. There's publishers from all over the world, authors all over the world, Q&A. You can talk to probably Max at some point. I don't know. Not not even at the Expo. I'm not sure. I might be. I uh, She said she was adding me to a list, but I don't know if that's what it was about. Or maybe some different lists. So I might be involved. You could talk to Max at the expo. He might be on a uh, kill list. We're not sure yet. So again, thank you, sirs. Thank you, listeners. Everybody have a good night or good afternoon, wherever you're from. Have a good one. We are in your mind. We are all around. You are now leaving. Deadhead space. Uh-oh. Max is frozen. Pardon. Can you hear me? I can, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you froze Max. I gotcha. I think he's faking it. He's very good if he's faking it. <laughs> what a pose to hold. Mm. I have to keep. I have to keep looking down. I can't. I can't look at that background. <laughs> <laughs> can't tell if Max froze again. I think he did. <laughs> hey, readers, book reviewers, partners. <laughs> <laughs> Just ends. Hey. 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 Hey.